0: don't you go start talking about the book yet yeah. we're not even doing the podcast <laughs> yeah. yet um yeah. Yeah. let me uh based off of a second ago let me get this joke out that i was thinking about oh it's me the miserly old man with my millions of dollars from the investment company in beirut i'm lebanese or scrooge <laughs> all right this is the on-air book fair podcast i'm jay i'm here with miles and daniel and we are getting into the third section control of tracy Dion's sequel to legend born Bloodmarked.
1: Yeah, not much control to be had in this section. No.
0: I, w- I was getting to the end of it, and spoiler alert, I didn't get the last two chapters of this section, so I'm going to rely on Miles and Dan's knowledge, but like, yeah, at no point did she ever seem to have control. I could have sworn that's where it was going to lead to, like, she would get control by the end of this oh. section, and it seems not.
1: Yeah, uh, no. Although you could make the argument that control isn't hers to begin with, uh, given Every single other entity that has a hand on the metaphorical ball that is Bree's powers. Yeah, she
2: has the least amount of control. She's the one who's actually trying to get it.
0: Yeah. She's the one, just like going back into the Mind Palace, begging her different ancestors, like, "Come on, I'm, I'm going to get killed by a wizard." Can
1: we, can what? we just communicate honestly,
0: to... please? <laughs> I know that it's kind of an imposition for me to like pull on magic from these ancestors, but like, it seems like. these both of these bloodlines have like a really distinct purpose for me to fulfill and I'm about to get killed by demons and wizards so there's no reason for you not to give me all of the mana right now Mm -hmm. you want this to succeed right except for of course that she is going to get herself burnt to a crisp by too much mana all at once oh Um, Uh, this book continues the story of Brianna Matthews on the run from both wizards and demons alike uh, where did we last leave this last section? So, we last left off with Bree and everyone at the safe house, well,
1: unsafe house, after having successfully fought off, um, a Goracle, who was brought there by Jonas.
2: The, uh... A, a leech who betrayed the who whole thing. Be- yep, he was supposed to protect them, this was... He was there. Their- unofficial official guardian, was, and he... What
0: was his ethos anymore, even, that he was just like, I'm sick of all of this war, it's time to just end it, even if yep. Camlan destroys all of humanity, I'm sick of all of this, Pretty much, seeing yeah. everybody around me get hurt.
1: Yeah. That, you know, destroy getting Brie killed and destroying the lines was the only way to stop the war f- in any way, shape, or form. Which is only moderately understandable because it's like, okay, yeah, it, that's, that's the fucking... That's some bullshit centrism, I'm sorry, but it really is because it's it's both sidesing to the point where you realize like, okay, yeah, one side is committing fucking war crimes and recruiting child soldiers. Bad. One side will annihilate all human life. Worse. <laughs> These are not totally comparable things. Yeah. And when the war's over on one side, th- those war crimes theoretically will stop when the war's over on the other side all human life is done uh it's it's both sides to the point where you become complicit not just complicit you are an active participant in the extinction
0: of the human race yep i have a lot of questions about the logistics of how this world works anymore because they did some interesting things to demystify like, oh, it's... Yeah, there is magic, but it's, like, this weird energy that's part of the universe. And I don't know. It's not purely magical, but they're not doing, like, you know, science magic anymore either. Mm-hmm. But, like, they talked about, like, uh demystifying being a scion of, like, the Knights of the Round Table or whatever because you're like, yeah. And they have these, like, fancy architecture and furnished buildings with their magic swords and shit to make you believe in the fantasy that, yeah, you or believe in the fantastical and romantic nature of yes i'm doing knights of the round table shit and they like demystify it for a second but that actually reflected on the demons for me of like so are these just like extra dimensional maybe they're more easily understood as space aliens
1: yeah they're from they're from a different world they're from the demon realm
2: but it's not really explained what that's like or what that is
1: yeah, and we get a lot more expansion on it in this part. Uh, something I did want to mention, because I listened over to our uh, episode on part one, and I don't think we talked about this in part two, but in part one, after the funeral, there was a moment with Brie, and i it wasn't Greer, it was one of the other scions, uh, the person who was the scion of Um, uh, but the person who lost her partner in the battle at the end of the last book, where mm-hmm. Brie has this honest conversation with her of like, not, you know, giving her any of the slots on the bingo card of grief or whatever. Just like I hope your anger fades soon. I hope you find something to do with it. I I hope you find a direction for it. Not telling her it's all going to be okay. Just like I hope you find somewhere to direct this emotional energy, which was good shit and like started to started to make her like, "Oh, okay, this is this is a person who's actually understanding the people around her and she might be a good leader." Um but then, you know, she continues to be 16 years old. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, that's Especially, that's really um, all there is to. Like, she's, she's 16. She's a 16-year-old person. Like, she's not going to be perfect all the time. She's probably not a good fit to be king because no 16-year-old fucking is. Nope. But she's a damn sight better than Nick is.
2: Yeah. Oh, he, Are f- we... he figures
0: in this. He does. He comes he, back in this, and are, are y'all figuring, y'all deciding you don't like Nick on this because it was complex emotions, but I didn't think, you seem to turn, you seem to both be turning against him more than I did.
1: I understand. No, I, I'm actually against him. I understand why he did what he did, but I'm mad at him for Bree's sake and Cell's sake. Uh,
2: I, okay, I kind of low-key want her to, her and Nick to stay together so they can fuck up the lines, because fuck this bullshit. The power yeah, still gets like, passed on they just can't trace it in their weird eugenicist way and, and
0: realistically can't like okay because it might do things to the to the bloodlines and I'm, they're like we're chief we're seventeen I'm not thinking about <laughs> breeding okay
1: I mean I mean look let's be real here this organization is a full quiver organization oh it is yep
0: quiverful.
1: Um, but, but that's what it is quiverful yeah awful, quiverful but either way um no, realistically, I mean they have two kids. The oldest one is the scion of Arthur. The second oldest one is the scion of Lancelot. There we go. Like, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be how it works. Oh yeah, come on. Like, or they have like a in, set of like tw- in They have twins. They have twins. Mm-hmm. Um, we should probably yeah, we should explain where we start off th- in this
2: section though. It's like, yeah, yeah,
1: we start off with uh, all of Bree's friends. Sorry about that listeners I didn't mute on that one. I have covid right now still and have I'll for mute 2 you, weeks. I'll mute you. Um but no so Bree is being told essentially, "Hey, you do actually need to go into hiding. The the uh the the seneschals and the fucking council of three whatever they were. Uh they're they're wrong, but they're right that you need to be in hiding right now. You're too valuable to just be in the field because you are a liability every time you are."
0: And we're also starting to find out that even the lieges are corruptible. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not really that safe anymore. So now our like core group of kids is like, okay, we got free, but now we do have to go out on our own as yeah. just us main kid characters. And the first thing Bree says is, "Wait a minute, I gotta talk to Lucille." And they're like, "Who's Lucille?" And she's like, "I don't know."
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I got this. But I got this mysterious card from the one other black person i've met so far in this fucking hellscape of an organization mm-hmm. who and, also
2: practices root yeah or at
1: least knows about it or knows about, yeah was this the liege woman or yes. who was this the, this was one of the lieges that she met um and and they're just like yeah sure i mean we don't have any other fucking ideas let's go uh, and they find No,
0: I disagree. They were uh, they're always resistant to Bree. Bree is that's always true. off on some shit and everyone else is like Bree our number one thing is that you don't die and our number two thing is that Nick doesn't die. So like
1: Yeah, that's fair. And they, then she and, she'll, have, and then she'd come back with like other how ideas?
0: can you say that Nick isn't as important? And it's like Bree, that's not what we're saying. Yeah. She
2: processes and things Bri- like a teenager because she is.
0: Bree's got that like I'll say it again, it's that uh Cora mindset. Mhm that just like that real recklessness and the flip side of recklessness is cynical pragmatism that leads to like making moral compromises so i get wanting to fight back against that don't get me wrong like of course you should fight back against like you know vaguely immoral cynical pragmatism but at the same time brie if you die and she gets close to dying so many goddamn times Mm -hmm. it's a real nail like four
1: times in this book now
0: yeah it's her shit is a mess but (laughs) so so how is it that they find their way to the crossroads uh they Um. they google these two streets and
1: find that there's that there's a, a crossroads of these two streets just elsewhere in georgia like all right we will drive there it'll take a couple hours
0: that should have been a little transition card elsewhere in Georgia.
1: Yeah, um, and they get there, and it's a it's the Crossroads Bar, and there's a dragon skull out front, which is not metaphorical; it is a real dragon skull. Yeah.
0: So what did y'all see this place as? I was definitely getting Roadhouse vibes from the movie Roadhouse. Yeah. 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 But like with Fair a little more magic stuff going on, and you know. I, rem- I this reminded me again about when they talked about like uh, yeah they these Scion kids they like they get all gassed up with the vibes of being a medieval knight and the you know mythical fan- the mythology of everything they get them wrapped up in it and that was a demystifying moment for us about how uh, the, the medieval knights fighting demons is has a lot of aesthetic put on and then we go to this crossroads bar which is the most aesthetic put on of devil Went town to Georgia ass. Let's go make some deals with some demons in a smoky cigar room, yeah, and it's called the Crossroads bar, and then, like a chapter and a half later, they're like, "Oh my God, I just put it together in like American folk mythology, the crossroads is where you would make a deal with a devil mm-hmm. like in that song mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it was some like Johnny Cash mythology shit that I thought, oh my God, I thought we were supposed to have known that same by now, and like, I, I remember that, that this play that this book is for like I remember that this book is for like seventh graders. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, you know, Supernatural isn't airing anymore, so they're not going to learn about Crossroads Demons. Ah,
0: yeah. I suppose so.
1: God, I remember when that was, like, a going concern in that show.
0: (laughs) Is Crossroads (laughs) Demons?
1: Like, two seasons before they fought literal Satan. (laughs) And I think by the end there was, like, time travel and alternative universe shit. (laughs) That show was so fucking dumb. It went on and for yet still seasons. no gay people still people couldn't be gay or they go to super <laughs> hell I was gonna
2: say That's there was not one one gay person for a second just for a no, little there,
1: bit there, there were a couple Felicia Day's character was vaguely uh, vaguely lesbianic and um, I'm sorry and guys then I gotta she pull she this back twice
0: y'all I gotta pull this back from Tumblr talk by the time we start talking about Supernatural, Supernatural and Felicia Day I'm like guys it's not 2012 anymore let's okay. move on okay
1: <laughs> okay. But to be fair, I know full well that Supernatural is an influence to this book.
0: Oh, like absolutely.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, but like less so than Vampire <laughs> Diaries, but.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, also, um, Jay, you'll be happy to know that your casting for Selwyn is so good that he's replaced my mental image of Selwyn while reading this book.
0: Yeah, he's mine too. Yeah. And you know when we get introduced to Volick or something? Mm-hmm. Um my immediate thought was then just like, oh, the other guy from Shadow and Bone, Kit Young. Go look up Kit Young, and that's just Valak. I don't know what okay. else to tell you.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, Absolutely. His uh, his main IMDb picture even has the hairstyle I was picturing. Yep.
0: yep. Spe- he has a hat. and it- and if you catch him in Shadow and Bone playing Jesper, who's, like, a swarmy, like, jokey gunslinger, um, who has, like, n- no shit, he has um, the superpower of, like, Bullseye from Marvel Comics, or Hawkeye. He's got perfect aim in everything. Okay, so uh, Jesper's a cool-ass fucking character.
1: Yeah, he is, but we haven't met him yet. Uh, because we're, we're going into this Crossroads bar, and then just, like, suddenly a... Oh, before they even go in there, someone's like, hey, don't talk about The Order, or Legendborn, or Merlin's, or any of that shit in here, because this is a rogue's den. This is a den of rogue Aether <laughs> users, and we a have no idea of what scum and villainy. <laughs>
0: But it was also like the the, uh, bouncer at the beginning was just like, welcome to the Salty Spittoon. How magic are you? Yeah. Not magic at all, sir. And he's like, all right, don't do any magic when you're inside. And I was thinking about how this is the most upfront that anyone has been in this world of magic people about, like, you'll come into the, hey, this is the demons bar where demons go. Just don't do, don't make any spooky deals. Don't get into any fights with magic. And don't uh, drink any mystical poisons. Yeah, and,
1: they're just like, hey, don't start nothing. There won't be nothing. Uh, and do you have
0: any magic to declare? It, th- th- this was when I started getting curious about, like, what if this place is not invisible mm-hmm. to muggles, so to say? Like, I hate to use the, the, that terminology, but, like, that somebody might, like, be driving, be on a road trip, or, like, you know be just out in these backwoods in Georgia and be like oh what's that place Ooh, the crossroads bar oh hey that sounds kind of seedy and they're uh pulling this uh, American devil mythology from the south let's go and mm-hmm. they go in and the bartender's like don't do any magic don't make any deals with demons inside there unless it's supervised And they're like oh my gosh they're totally in character <laughs> this is so great uh well howdy partner we don't cotton to no demon folk and he's like all right go in and I just imagine people show up they're like and they want to LARP I I think a sizable, in a place like this, a sizable uh, amount of the customers here are just like, are just like steampunks that, like, want to come LARP in their fucking pinstripe suits and pretend to be demons.
1: I, I actually, I disagree because I feel like they clocked, they clocked them as being who they are and, like, knowing how much magic they have for at sight from Jump Street. Like, they asked them, do you have any magic to declare? But that was a formality, like... Every single member of the wait staff knew. Every single person there knew. My guess is, if you're coming in without magic, and without anyone like nearby you who's magical or anything like that, they tone it down or have like a like maybe just like shoo you away. Unless you say, "No, I'm here to see, uh, I'm here to see Valak about a deal or something."
0: Yeah. So I'm sure for like any non-magic people, once borns, um. Uh that have no idea about the magic world, they're just like, okay, they get... Those guys, if you can't smell any magic on them at all, they get the blue wristband. And so anyone inside, like, that's magic knows, like, if some blue wristband comes up talking to you about, like, I want to make a deal for some secret magics, they're like, oh, okay, here's a fucking... <laughs> here's, a, uh, here's a little stone of jasper in a necklace. This will give you enhanced vigor or that's, some shit like that that'll be that'll be forty dollars that's
1: true they did have the uh the like yellow glowy sigil that was on them uh when they couldn't present their membership card that's right yeah it was their version of a stamp mm. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah you get your hand stamped so that so that when you're leaving they'll check if your stamp matches with the demon that you came in with so they know that no demons are taking any other humans <laughs>
1: I was just so thinking, that, they they made a deal about, like, oh, this fades after 12 hours. I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Is someone going to be able to trace this back to this bar if they get sighted? Because they do they do get spotted at one point, but that was a couple days after they were here, I think. I think they rested up uh, at their next location yeah, I see for, what like you mean. days.
0: Setting up that detail could have been a little checkoff situation about, like, oh, this is going to come into play later. Mm-hmm. It didn't, but... Nope. Yeah. So they go in, and they're like... <laughs> And they're like sitting down trying to be inconspicuous. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. And Alice is just like, yeah, I'll have a whiskey sour. They're like, Alice, what the fuck are you doing? And (laughs) the bartender's just like, yeah, sure. I'll bring some beers over for you young, totally 21, whatever the fuck humans. Fine. I mean, their, their IDs
1: just said that they were 18. Like Alice's and Bree's IDs straight up said that they were 18. Uh, Oh fuck! We forgot about the place they stopped before this Uh, place—the racist gas station. Oh, right—the racist
0: gas station. Oh, the racist gas station. Honestly, we're on the run. We're like kitted out in like tactical, like black turtlenecks, and we gotta all take a piss. Are you some kind of goth
1: kids? What are you doing here?
0: Spits, you know, chewing tobacco saliva all over his own dick. Um, and he's just like he hands him the key to the bathroom, and then when the guy and then William goes to the bathroom first, and when William comes back in, they're like shitter's clogged, and William's like, no, I was just in there, and he's like, no, it's broken now. Mm -hmm. When he's trying to hand off the key to Alice and Bree, and they're just like, really, because we're not white, and it's just like, and he's like, no, shitter's clogged, and. They all kind of. Will's about to throw down. He's been on a violent streak. Yeah. And, but they're just like, look, look, look. Will, come on, let's go back to the fucking car. I'll like piss by the side of the road. It's racism. We're used to it.
1: Also, he, Will's been on a violent streak, and as we find out, he recently had a breakup. He oh, he yeah. broke up oh, with buddy. his boyfriend the night of the uh the night of the fight in the kirith Un- no, not Kiraeth Ungol. That's yeah.
0: yeah that, that, not, not, Ungol. Not that, that's Ungol. That's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's what she loved. So William's... Yeah. So William's breakup made the most sense to me. It seemed like a really sensible thing to do. He resolved this Peter Parker, you know, living both lives bullshit where he's like, you know what? It's getting really real right now, and I can't, like, hold on to the little pretend hope that I'm not going to have to sacrifice my life for the demon war. And because my life is that serious right now, I can't pretend to have a boyfriend who's not involved with this. Like, I can't be the guy... It used to be that he might be the mysterious boyfriend Who comes back in after a long night Covered in weird bruises and you're like what happens And it's like I've got involved with some family stuff Don't worry about it and you're like are you in the mob But inside he knows that he hunts demons No this is the one Where you have to go away and go into hiding For months at a time because you're being Hunted by both demons and uh, Turbo racist wizards So it's just like it's just not good For anybody for me to pretend like I can have A partner right now yeah, And and that sucks, but I think that's really responsible of him to do that.
2: William is the kind of person who would do
1: that. Yeah. He puts his duty know, first. And realistically, I don't blame him for the, like, sort of vague resentment of Bree that he has for that. Like, he had to give up his life because of not her, but because of circumstances that center on his duty to her and like he recognizes yeah. that that's not her fault but he like i get it it's it's understandable and awesome. also it frees him are up to now flirt with lark yes <laughs> yes it does you got to be
0: you got to be with a guy who's like on the inside of this world um yeah i like the emotional moment where it's just like i'm not mad at you personally but like when you're a scion, you always kind of like You've got one foot into sacrificing your life for a uh, greater good. But now, because you came along and all this stuff happened, I have to put two feet, I have to put both of my feet, all my weight, into sacrificing my life for the greater good. And it kind of pisses me off because all of my other ideas about how my life would turn out are just uh, foreclosed. Yeah. And it sucks. And its it's got to, to, right to be fucking hard to be in this order it.
2: and be a scion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they surely do expect you to have kids
0: you know if and if i were him though it's like okay look i'll have some sperm frozen you guys find whatever scion lady in the in the bloodlines you do your bene Gesserit breeding techniques and you can just take that sperm and you can do whatever the fuck you want with it and i wish her the best
1: steal my sperm to make magnets and whatever
0: <laughs> yeah uh and then let me just be gay and i'll tell you if i die and the thing gets passed on to the next kid that you inseminated out of me i'll or tell
2: you if i die yes
0: <laughs> yeah, <let him> <laughs> um,
1: i mean gawain man. will fill the next scion in line in he sure he will he will
0: so so they roll up into this bar they're trying to act natural they got a couple beers and then the bartender also brings out and here's a special magic beer for your little cambian friend who looks all fucked up and yeah. brie to herself thinks i don't think he looks that bad i think he looks okay We'll get back to that. We will. But... I like how she, mm-hmm. they're trying to be
2: all subtle and stuff, and she immediately immediately recognizes, yep, cambion.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's a yeah, cambion. cambion and he ooh. obviously needs these magical shots. It's like, oh. And Cell even, like, compounds on it, and he's like, oh, I'm concerned because she was able to figure out what I was so quickly. It's like, bro, cambions are not rare. Like...
0: Especially if there was any if there was any building full of bartenders that could detect cambians, this is it.
1: Yeah. But, like, cambians aren't actually rare, as we already know. I mean, think of the fucking platoons of Merlins that the Order has.
0: Yeah. And we find out that, like, um, a perfect one-to-one cambian, where, like, one human parent, one demon parent, perfect 50-50 distribution of human-demon genetics is actually really stable, so you don't end up going crazy, like... Cell and other cambians do, but it's like when you have less than 50% demon genetics, then that's when you start going crazy.
1: Yeah, it's it's very strange. They even make reference to the like one-drop rule shit um, mm. in this mm. later on. And Cell's so like, no, no, it's not about that. That's white supremacist bullshit. This is like actual literal evil in your veins. It's like, okay, bud. That sounds like some uh, order way of thinking, because like I'm also I, he's, I can't our, stop thinking about new, like these, our new balanced friend does not seem particularly evil, amoral, but not evil.
0: I can't stop thinking about the nature of the demons after this whole conversation because in this section they spend a lot of time describing like well demons need like two nutritional forces they need a certain amount of aether at a time which a lot of people like you know legendborn and everybody else and in the human world like can be sources of ether that feed them but they also feed on negative emotions Mm. like cruelty and anger and fear and despair and stuff like all this yeah and it makes me again wonder like what are demons and what is this like other world that has like these psychic carnivores I, I don't want to say parasites necessarily but like in an ecological sense they're psychic carnivores that are encroaching into this other dimension and it might be a matter of opportunity but it might be like what's going on in the demon realm is there like a famine happening that is like causing these ecological pressures to push demons into the human realm to consume like it as far as we can tell the shit started happening like 50 500 years ago with king arthur stuff but like has there always been some sort of uh dimensional planar overlap between the human realm and the demon realm And did this just start happening around King Arthur's time? And if so, like, what sort of things... I I feel like at some point we might get deep background lore for the demon realm about, like, yeah, a famine happened at the same time they invented a portal opening technology that forced a lot of demons to pursue their nutrition from the human realm.
1: Well, we actually get a little... a small mention, like an offhand mention of there being a, like, demonic council to rival the round table that are like primordial beings of these chaotic energies it's like okay do demons require these emotional feedings off of humans because their primordial beings of chaos are locked away and ordinarily they'd be receiving this like power and this chaos and this rage and stuff fueled by them instead is there a shortage of that because their primal beings are locked away and that, like, this being the final major Camlin is... Those things are going to get unleashed. Is the that actually going silence. to be a good
0: thing? Hmm. Hmm. There's a lot of interesting questions we can ask. And there are. to be honest... This I part of the book was the, the set series. <laughs> Sorry, Jake, go ahead. To In my expectation, by the end of this book series, it might just be, like, you know, an, a non-complex moral structure, demons bad cut off the demon realm from the human realm and everything is safe for at least a couple centuries. And if that's the case, I'm just like, all right, that's nice. Um, I don't expect them to like begin doing the uh, like xenological empathy redemption route for some demons necessarily.
1: I feel like if that were to happen, it would happen in like book six, because this part of the book for me, this part of the book set up hooks for like a future three or four books down the line there's a lot that could be done here yeah, yeah. um including the I, introduction made... that warlocks just fucking exist they do because they can make pacts with demons facilitated by people like our friend valak a crossroads demon um and just get power in some way shape or form for some payment
0: yeah the aether is bought is a uh, borrowed stolen or bargained and these are the bargainers. Uh, humans show up here to just be like, I want to be super jacked and, you know, be an expert crypto entrepreneur that is always making money moves and stacking up paper. And they're like, cool, that's going to cost about 15 years of your lifespan. And he's like, that's what it costs to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. And we meet a senator who made a, who made an unregulated deal without going through an intermediary like Valak for untold riches so that he could continue being a senator and uh he paid it with it for five years of his life didn't specify the last five years of his life though so the demon is making him unable to sleep for five years he's taking
0: that time out of your sleepy dreams mm-hmm. and he's like he's taking all of my lifetime out of my dreams i haven't slept in five days i'm going crazy yeah and it's like that's what you get die for die doing early. it off the grid dude you oh, yeah. that's what you thought you can't just start you can't just start buying demon cryptocurrency and buy think you can get whatever you want off of the dark web without a proper intermediary. This ain't the fucking Silk Road, the FBI shut that down. Before <laughs> yeah. not
1: for the Silk Road. Yes. <laughs> this is an unregulated market. What do you expect? Regulations? Mm-hmm. Right. He I don't know. this whole thing just made me wonder
2: how much is happening in this ether business outside of the order like is the order in the grand scheme of things really just a sideshow like people don't really I don't know, you don't cross them but like you can get a lot of stuff that's, done without them
0: that's the yeah. vibe i started to getting is that the order these you know pompous like frilled collar british dandies like they are to be avoided because they're dangerous and they have you know the institutional backing of the state to put you away in asylums and prisons and everything, but really, they're just one of many little factions going on mm-hmm. yeah. in this actual magic realm.
1: It's realistically, the order is the combination of the Young Republicans and JROTC.
0: Oh, good lord.
1: <laughs> they both are no so to, insufferable. To, <laughs> I mean, realistically. The,
0: bro, the amount of right you are has made me nauseous. <laughs> Um, So this place, as I said, is really putting on the devil went down to Georgia shtick super hard. Anyway, the kids are all getting drinks and they're like, hey, Selwyn, you want some magic drinks? You can be an ass. You're looking pretty ragged without some good aether. Why don't you get a big shot of aether right here? And he's like, oh, I don't want to start doing it recreationally. And it's like, how directly are we drawing this analogy to alcoholism and uh, substance abuse. Way too fucking Um,
1: directly, because no one needs alcohol to maintain their bodily functions. Mm -hmm. Selwyn needs Ether to maintain his bodily functions. Like,
0: it's... He literally needs it because where he normally gets that hit is uh, bodyguarding his boyfriend, and he Mm -hmm. can't do that anymore, so he needs alcohol to take the edge off, I think. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a weird... It's a weird place to start, like making actual analogies to real life. It substance things. Um,
1: it re- it really I, fucking is. It's, yeah. It's it's so, we-
0: it's weird. It's
1: it's weird, and it 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 feels off.
0: So what else happens in this scene? Like, Bree and Alice go to the bathroom, and sells there, and they're... There's just this constant smoldering sexual tension between Cell and Brie now.
1: Yeah, oh my god. After the scene in the bathroom at the end of the last part, they have been real horned up.
0: Um, yeah. And They've been bizarrely horned up because, like, I don't know, you've got, first off, battle adrenaline and also weird magical powers, and Cell and Brie are also, like, really specifically with their magic, everyone's, like, smelling each other <laughs> with magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And uh we know that cell gets aether drunk that's going to come back later on that like it's an intoxicating like weird thing i he's got this weird miasma of alcohol abuse metaphors
1: surrounding him he's also part i can't can't really keep track of it he's part yeah he's also part cannot be uh discounted in this sexuality
0: shit so there's are there different kinds of cambians, right like are wait are all uh, cambians part incubus or is it that like you can be different kinds of I think what if you, you were like part? Kinds. what if you were like part manticore or something like and you're demonic but you're not sexy
1: the only ones we've heard about the lineage of are part incubus or succubus um my assumption is just that's because those ones are the ones most likely to fuck a human yeah that's fair and especially we mostly some... hear about part I... incubus because human parent who knows if mm. succubi are actually fertile? I mean, presumably not, right? Uh, I don't. I don't
0: d- know. Well, or even if so, like you're going to raise that kid not on the human side. Like, uh, what, what are the odds that the succubus hangs around with the human father to like raise the kid in the human world? Like, I think any succubus is probably going to like get the sex magic they need and go back to the demon world. And if they do keep the Oh my god! Why am I talking about this? If they do keep the child, they're going to raise them in the demon world to be a demon. This is so stupid.
1: Yeah, they they get a magic abortion, and
0: that's that's just <laughs> where it ends. So stupid. Um, we we have to keep this plot a moving. Yeah, um, because like so- they're they're trying to figure out like who they're supposed to talk to. They're like, let's get some beers. I have to take a piss because I've been in the car. Uh, sell. We have to break this sexual tension because Alice just got out of the bathroom. And then they get back to the table and it's like, uh, oh no, shit's a little spooky. People are like talking about, oh, is that, is there a, uh Arthurian knight here in this bar? No, like, we gotta get out of here. Selwyn goes up to the bar and makes a fucking scene.
1: Yeah, he decides to skip over everybody else who's in line to pay their tabs. And he's been insulting the service at this place the whole fucking time. Like he has been, he's just been an entire, an an enormous Karen this whole time. Or what's the, that's right. I'm sorry to tell you Jay, but the, the most common male version of Karen I've been seeing is Tad. Um, Tad.
0: (laughs) It's my dad's name. Yeah.
1: It's, it's the most, it's the most common one I've been seeing. It's Karen (laughs) and Tad. (laughs) Um, but he he has been one this entire fucking time, including insulting the service while also flirting with the staff. Mm-hmm. Because he's just a and weird dude. He's just a weird dude. Cell is not and used to being is, out in public.
0: Is, and Cell is one of the ones that's like, we have to stay safe. We have to be super duper extra safe. And at no point does he think that he should keep a low profile by like being nice to the servers in this we know that this is a dangerous bar
1: yeah and then this bar has been
0: characteristically off. dangerous the whole time and he's like nervous about it but then he wants to like be a jerk to the staff and then when they're like hey dude what the, what the fuck do you think you're doing he goes out of my way peasant yeah and it's like keep a low profile my guy please and
1: like okay the the bartender is a uh, is a warlock as we discover and he's like uh Warlock magic reeks, it smells so bad, and it's like, I probably would have started a fight with him anyway just because of the smell, like, my dude, are you really being shitty to someone because of how they smell? Are you
0: 12?
1: <laughs> the fuck is wrong with I think
0: you? <laughs> this this was so like uncharacteristically brash of Selwyn when he's supposed to be the cautious one. I can only imagine that like he's acting out like this because of some s- self-destructive tendency as he is becoming more like demonically belligerent from his oath deteriorating.
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I think so. That's been probably. Bri- That's the only
0: thing that makes sense why he would act like this. Yeah. Also, well, again, they're all, like, teenagers, so maybe he's just being a bitch. Yeah, and yeah, he's I mean,
1: finally... he, is like, he is like, 19, right? Everyone's awful when they're 19. Yeah.
2: I think hmm. part of it is may also be the fact that, like, you know, he talked this up as this dangerous rogues place, but, like, he's seeing this whole ether world outside of the Order, and, like, he knows the way he's been treated is fucked up. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too deep into it, but I think, like, he's kind of resentful of all these demons just going around doing whatever they want, and he can't do that.
0: Yeah, maybe he's mad that, like, he gets discriminated against as a cambion when it's like, oh, this is a fucking... Wait, they... Wait there was this kind of community for mm-hmm. Cambians that was out there? Where, That's... like, they yeah. wouldn't think that you're a dangerous potential demon in waiting. They would, like, think that you're somebody who needs a shot of, like, good aether. Like, th- that was a weird... I don't think anyone ever has offered him kindness in the capacity of him being a cambion yeah so that might have been that's a really interesting perspective i hadn't even thought of that until you said so
1: mm-hmm. yeah i and you know we, we we do confront that a tiny bit later and he's just like no this is this is dangerous but you know and and the way i was raised was the way i was raised and it's you know it was important for me to be raised in those boundaries because if i'm not if if those boundaries don't exist then anyone could be a danger to anyone else right away it's like okay but you're seeing another you're seeing another option here Mm -hmm. and realistically if you're able to sustain a cambion with ether infused liquor or as we find later some of it's just apple juice uh if you've got ether Yeah, infused... it's just apple
0: juice with some ether on it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that is a substance dependency, but like it that honestly seems like less obtrusive to somebody's life than a blood oath that kills you if you betray it.
1: Yeah, but think about it like this, he's realizing that this could also just be how his mom has stayed totally fine this whole time is just drinking ether.
0: Because everyone his whole life told him that you have to obey your oath or you go insane. And now these people at the bar are telling him, you can just have a shot every once in a while.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Mommy doesn't take oaths. She just has fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so Cell starts shit. And then Bree, a hothead as ever, is just like, I have to intervene. And blasts out a bit of Roots energy that like... A fucking geyser.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah which like toasts this warlock for a second and then everyone in the bar like stands up like hands on the handle of their fucking guns until this you know cute little demon boy valak shows up and he's like thank you everybody what a wonderful show this uh demonstration of insane crazy fire magic is uh will be available as a product that i can sell you at a later date goodbye everybody get out get out get the fuck get over here
1: Key to it, too. Who the hell are you? She strips this warlock of his powers. Like, contact with her root mage flame removes his ability to access his demonic powers. Yep. Which we haven't run into before. That's very interesting and something that I'd like to see us do more with. Maybe she uses that mage flame on, uh, say, any certain seneschals, making them unable to uh, channel ether for a little bit while she just busts their heads in just has to get that control Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. but yeah,
1: then, then, uh, but yeah well, then, then he teleports them upstairs and is like hey what the fuck uh,
0: everybody wh- let's have a drink real quick and also hey what the fuck <laughs> you guys just you perfect strangers are causing untold amounts of trouble in my very low-key establishment that i have curated a subtle vibe and, and has been operating the, for
1: about 200 years now, give or take. And
0: and so this scene has, like, a whole bunch of little verbal fencing and, like, sexual tension. And at some point, Valak is just like, oh, I see what's going on here. And he smashes Selwyn into the wall so hard <laughs> that his glamour drops.
1: Yeah. Uh, he also is, like, very insistent with Brie, Like, who did you bargain with for your powers? I know you must have done it with someone talk to me, and I won't have to hurt you and get the information I need that way. And I like, need to
0: see who's encroaching in on my territory, and Bree can't just tell him, yeah, my great-great-great-great-great King Arthur.
1: Yeah. But he
2: does realize pretty quickly that, uh, that Selwyn is a king's mage, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he, he clocks him immediately.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, also Selwyn can't summon any magic swords because he has handcuffs on. Oh,
2: yeah, he has those. Mm. His limiters.
0: <laughs> Um, so they play this around, I, I couldn't figure out, or I can't remember exactly like what the motivation of this whole scene was, but like, um, Valak is this demon barter boss who is like, Okay. Bree, you're cool because I got what I wanted, which is that you have a bunch of misery just oozing out of your pores because you saw Selwyn with his glamour down. Guess what? He's been lying to you and betraying you and doing a mesmer that makes you not notice how much of a demon he's turned into because he's insecure. But Selwyn, however, he's got to still pay the price for causing a ruckus in my bar. So we can all go up to the roof for a good torture.
2: I had a hard time at first imagining like this rooftop scene, like, did did he just redirect everyone to the roof? At first, I thought like people were down below and looking up at the roof, but no, I think everyone everyone's no, on
1: the roof. No, the like staff of the place and the people who are most in the know and like actually involved were up there. They went right. to the roof. This was okay. That's this was I a
0: staff-only uh, torture event. Super
1: yeah. fun. Um, but Bree has a really startling realization with this knowledge that oh, Selwyn's been putting a glamour on this whole time, like oh has he been manufacturing this sexual tension and all of these fights that I've been getting into with him has he been manufacturing those just to feed off of my emotions to continue sustaining him Um, and also that he's only been putting on that glamour with her everyone else has been able to see it including the the wait staff here has been able to see it he's just been putting it on for her Um,
0: which is why the lady comes up like hey sugar you look like you need some Aether
1: and, but yeah this and so rooftop that is a, scene I, sorry go ahead
0: no I was going to say so that was a big emotional betrayal and she's going to spend the next like 12 chapters kind of forgiving him about it I think and this rooftop scene is just like welcome ladies and gentlemen to the annual torture of the dissidents not dissidents but like the the interlopers are here time to skin them alive
1: you know and, what honestly I was picturing for the setup of this scene more than anything else God damn it. Um, Baby boy's causing a ruckus now. Um, more than anything else, I was I was picturing the rooftop Joker fight at the end of Batman Arkham Asylum. That's that, super like, weird. That, like, real shitty capstone fight. But it's just, like, it's a rooftop. It's a just a square rooftop. There's a couple of lights hung around focusing on this main area. And then there's just this big 10-foot-tall beefsteak that no one wants there
0: mm-hmm. fucking beefsteak joker oh my god yeah <laughs> it so it so bad um but then they they never actually get to the torture because not only does senator armstrong show up just like please give me a <laughs> give me another hit of the, the demon juice that's but then um alice pipes up about it right mm-hmm.
1: yeah alice pipes up she's like oh i have information to trade you I just happen to know that one of your bartenders is stealing ether. I saw her do it earlier. Like,
0: fucking when? Fucking when did you do that? When that did you see that? I mean, I I thought, I thought didn't pick that up in the text at all, I, but I, I, sure. I think that was when she uh, put ether
2: into Cell's drink, and then they noticed that, like, other other people in the bar have, like, drinks with ether in them. I, I think well, we were supposed so to I'm understand that this
1: is not something they're supposed to be doing. No, so it's definitely a service that's offered by the bar. I, I went back and reread things where she's like listing out observations she's been making, and I guess that's where we're supposed to have gotten it. Uh, I gotta let this. Maybe it's because she but, pulls uh, the vial of ether out of her apron pocket. I'm well, that's sure. the thing. It's a different it's a different uh it's a different server. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a different person. Like it is not huh. a person we've ever seen before, ever interacted with, didn't have a name until now and wasn't someone that she pointed out when she was like, hey, I've been noticing things around the bar, give me my fucking respect, Selwyn. Like, she she points out a couple of people who uh, she points out one person who's been walking back and forth a bunch of times because he's getting more shots, and then two people arguing over their bill. But she doesn't yeah. point out anything to do with this person. Like, it feels like there was a dropped paragraph somewhere where there was, Shit. like, something we were supposed to notice, or maybe just Maybe it's just some shit that, like, when it's made into a TV show, it'll happen in the background of one of the shots, and yeah. then we'll be able to call back to it. But th- this just—it felt like it was coming out of fucking nowhere. It felt like it was an excuse to just get them out of this. Um, but
0: it was their jet. It was their get out of jail free card. Yep. They are now yeah. out of jail free. Mm-hmm. And it got Brie enough time to, like, say to Valak, hey, we're looking for Lucille. And he's like, how do you know about Lucille? And be like, I don't. Somebody told me if I was in trouble, I needed to reach out to Lucille. Yeah.
1: Because as it turns out, Lucille is the Grand Dame of this entire region. Like, everyone fucking rolls up to her. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Le Grand Dame. And it also she's turns out that actually she's Valak's, <laughs> like...
1: Great, 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 great niece. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And, okay. Hey, who else is here? It's Mariah. Yeah, yeah Mariah. Because there.
1: Mariah is also related to to Lucille. Oh yeah. Because this. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> At, okay. This this really this really fucking got to me because it's like okay Mariah's here this is a familiar face this is good but also why have we just created this situation where we're introducing these new black characters and. They're all related Like Especially since As we discover Valak Is related to Bree Yep oh, Last no, no. book When Not she
2: had Not Bree ha- She's re- He's related to Um Uh What's oh, The doctor that's... Um her, her therapist No what? Related
1: thought... to Related to Bree I thought I thought No it was in the, the It was scene... in the memory walk But it was a memory walk Of Bree's ancestors Wasn't no, it I'm pretty
2: sure it was a memory walk Of um of Doctor... I keep forgetting her name now, but I'm pretty sure it was her. Patricia. Wow.
0: With a lot of of this stuff, because it is, like, centuries, more than centuries, a millennia back of lineages, like, it isn't too far-fetched that anyone is related to anybody. Like, when you go this far back in time, it's not like this is only a sixth-generation, like, tight-knit family, like the fucking JoJo's that somehow, like, find themselves attracted to other stand users Mm -hmm. in some Mm -hmm. bullshit way. It is at least, like, we're all connected to some lineages that from a thousand years ago that do spread laterally in a very wide rate.
2: Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, it's not out of not out of the realm of possibility. And I think I think it I th- ties into something Tracy Dion kind of wants to do. is like building that kind of connection. But
1: Yeah, okay. I thought that was one of Bree's ancestors. Um, not one of Patricia's ancestors. Okay, that's that's at least slightly better. That's at least slightly better. Just a bit.
0: Well, maybe try to see, maybe try to see it like this. Like, what if Genghis Khan was magic King Arthur, uh-huh. and like everybody has a little bit of that demon, like, a, a, like a large enough portion of the world has a little bit of demon genetics because of that shared ancestry point. I'd
1: I mean, say. in theory most Cambians supposedly are descended from merlin i think mm-hmm. because they talk about him as being like one of the original Cambians. so like i mean yeah i guess merlin fucked like a lot like a <laughs> shitload all over the world
0: and this was also like the secret power core of much of england and then later colonial america with a specific like bene Gesserit breeding program like designed to they, they were with their meticulous management of the bloodlines they were not going to like run out of suitable offspring like they were always going to i think overproduce Mm -hmm. if that makes sense
1: and i believe merlins were encouraged not to have kids with other merlins so they could continue to grow the ranks which is thinning out the bloodline and making them more likely to be susceptible to the demon in them as we
0: discover. I guess quantity over quality in that case, because there are a shitload of Merlins mm-hmm. and Cambians and Mage Guards and Kings Guards. There's plenty.
1: Um, but yeah, she, she talks to this person who. Uh, Lu- Lucille, right? Yeah. Lucille. Yeah. Uh, she talks to her, and Lucille is immediately like, What the fuck is a Merlin doing here? Why did you bring a Merlin in here? No. Um but mariah knows brie and i have to assume that that's like a large part of why mariah is even here is tracy dion had to be like wait hold on why would this person even want to fucking talk to brie like Mm. there there has to be some sort of reason ah maybe mariah's there sure mariah's there and she knows brie so she vouches for her
0: (laughs) yeah that was this was a vouch point Maybe in the writing they were like, okay, well she has to talk with Lucille, but like at this point, who's vouching for her? Because the liege woman that like led us here is not really in the picture anymore. So who's vouching right now? Eh might as well be Mariah.
2: Would have been good though if uh Samira I would have liked to see Samira come back, but that's okay.
1: I feel like we will. Yeah. I mean, hey, we've Just gotta to get more lieges killed. Um but yeah, they have this like long conversation where Brie kind of dances around the fact that she's the scion of Arthur, but doesn't reveal it. Um, but it's very clear that like everyone outside the Order knows a knows a good bit about it. Like they at least know that Nick Davis is the scion of Arthur. Like they know the they know the fucking scion of Arthur of the Order by name. It's the wrong scion, but the fact that they know his name in this dive bar is disconcerting realistically because it it betrays that like yeah no there's a huge leak of information in that organization um and yeah but they dance around it and she essentially gets sent along the new underground railroad uh through to these locations for people who need to be in hiding for some reason or another
0: Maybe because they are on the road, on the run from Merlin's. Maybe root crafters like got exposed to some legendborn, and they're like, "We gotta get you hidden away from these oppressive honky policing."
1: Yeah. And okay, they get to this. And they to keep this... It down to the,
0: the 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 next safe house in this series of safe houses. They want to go to Volition, whatever Volition is. They want to get there. That's the big safe house, but. For in the meantime they're going down to uh, what's her name? Oh, Lucille's partner of such and such many years, a very kind young woman, a very kind woman, older woman that like is making them all sorts of home cooking.
1: Yeah. I oh god, and welcoming I remember them into this I, house and... I took note of it at one point because her voice or, or her not her voice, her name was something plant related.
0: Anyway, Hazel, uh, my Ms. casting Hazel. is Hazel, Miss Hazel. Anyway, my casting of her is Octavia Spencer. I know that's like kind of a surface level pick. I haven't thought about it too hard, but like when I was trying to envision her, I was immediately like, This is Octavia Spencer.
1: Mm. Um
0: but she sort of lays out this this place for them, gets
1: some food, and Bree vouches for Selwyn, who immediately leaves and starts to do a patrol. And they talk things out with her a little bit and talk things out a little bit with um with mariah and there's there's a little moment too where uh hazel just asks Bree, okay so the merlin do you trust him is he good is he gonna be good here she's like yeah i trust him with my life and then leaves it there she's like all right i'll make him a plate and Hmm and you know what hey for a for a white boy that also hunts magic users that's a big fucking step he's got a plate
0: Because she said that with perfect conviction. I trust him with my life. Even after she's just been revealed his betrayal. Yeah. Of her trust. Like, not of any real, like, life-threatening betrayal, but a betrayal of trust. Yeah, and everyone else is like, what the fuck do you
1: mean you didn't know that he was failing? What do you mean you were, you know, glamoring yourself and mesmering her with this Selwyn? What are you talking about? Because everyone else was just, like, they knew, including Alice which you know yeah. might and- might explain a little bit more of why Alice just didn't like him because it's it's one of she's one of the few people who's met Selwyn outright in a state of not being the prettiest man in the room.
0: So there's no point we find out there's no point that Selwyn would even Mesmer Breed to not see him as deteriorating into demon mode for any like pragmatic or logistical reason but just for the emotional reason of like I didn't want to I didn't want you to think of me as a guy that is becoming demon.
1: Yeah. He wants her to see him totally put together and great. Because he's in love with her, they still haven't goddamn said it. (laughs) Even though the, like, Welsh term that he called her at the beginning of the goddamn book that's been a source of tension this whole time means beloved. Like, just... God, just fucking say it this this isn't even like pining this is i
0: don't know i don't know what will they won't
2: they
1: it
0: this no this is more will they will they get on with it
1: they just can't yeah can't say it it's it's the romantic equivalent of a road trip through ohio (laughs) oh man like there's nothing I... to expect aside from the inevitable conclusion. And, you know, to any listeners in Ohio, if you don't understand this, drive through your state. It takes about three times as long as it's supposed to. Like, I was going to
0: say we... flat and straight and with corn on both sides. <laughs>
1: like, It's true. I have, I have been a part of a cross-country move, and the two most interminable parts were going through Nebraska and Ohio
2: hopeful oh, yeah my,
0: my. okay
1: because it's just bo- it's just boring <laughs> Help.
0: ease up miles Ohio's had it hard enough already uh, <laughs> let's <laughs> what happens next like I, I feel like this is the this is the third of maybe like seven big emotional conversations we have with Selwyn over duty and devotion and caring about people and trying to do what's best and make sense of our own lives like th- I feel like these conversations keep happening repeatedly over the course of this section oh, like where yes. she is confronting Selwyn in some emotional way. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then they go like one step too far and they get a little bit too close to kissing and then they back off and then they restart the conversation at square one the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and get just close enough and then back off. Yeah. It's like a yo-yo <laughs> string of emotion.
0: It's horribly will they, won't they? And... What where where does even the plot go from this point? Isn't um, this where they like they find Uh No, this so isn't where they like get a lead on Nick?
1: I Oh believe they do. there was one other important thing before they went into the bar, Bree tried to call on Arthur to get like any sort of read on anything and he said, "Nah." He just said, <laughs> yeah. "You will yeah. not call me up. You will not call me up when you want. Goodbye." <laughs> Meanwhile, ones...
0: <laughs> your sacred, your sacred lineage is not a cheat code, Brianna Matthews.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, like, ain't that the deal that they struck? That she would agree to carry on this thing if he agreed to let her spirit walk whenever she fucking wanted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The so in future King is temperamental. He sure is. He sure is. Um. But yeah, she she does a walk at this point, I believe, to see Nick. Yep. No. Wait, I'm gonna go check.
0: Oh fuck! I just dropped a whole bunch of Exacto knife blades all over my carpet around my feet. Oh god. I'm I'm uh, doing. I have a dangerous situation here. See, I
2: could
1: never have predicted that would happen. D fours or Legos? I would believe, but Exacto knife. We're just ratcheting this up.
0: Um, okay. In this episode, Jay has a knife dilemma. <laughs> oh God. Um, they're so, oh they're so oily. I'm
1: just okay. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to think through this. They get to the place and Brie and Selwyn have a tense conversation. She does also talk to. Um, uh, she talks to Valak a little bit about the nature of demons and he's like hey yeah someone someone isn't loyal to like someone's loyal he can't swear himself to an idea and that's what the order is he's not swearing himself to an idea and that just kind of leaves it there because this is the book that is supposed to be building the selwyn and brie relationship and every single other fucking person in this entire book can see that every single other person can is just like Oh, okay, yeah, alright, so they're, like, wicked f- horny for each other. Alright. Are they gonna do anything about that? No, they're still not doing anything about that? Like, there are there are several moments towards the end of this section where everyone's like, what... Bree, what the fuck are you talking about the lines for? That's not why Cell wants to protect you. That's... What are you talking about? Everyone else he sees He loves it.
0: you, you damn
1: fool. Um, oh, a big part of this conversation is Selwyn mentions like, "Hey, yeah, I mean, I'm not like a full Shadowborn, but there have been there have been a lot of concerns in the past of, well, what happens if a Merlin were to kill a scion of Arthur? Would the lines end, or is that like a contingency plan?
0: Like, if you're and nobody ever really like thought to ask because uh that's a crazy thing to ask, but contingency plan you're right it's just like okay so if a demon was right about to kill the scion of arthur then the king's mage should be the one to get the finishing stroke do a steel kill Mm -hmm. yeah so that it doesn't fully end the bloodline
1: Yeah, which is a wild fucking thing um but it, it it is something worth considering and worth thinking about like oh okay all right is this how we're gonna go how we're gonna go on this and i mean no it's not Cell is not going to kill Brie. He's going to die to defend her.
0: He's far too romantic to kill Brie. Even with the most, like, cynical, teary, like, it's what we have to do for everyone's sake. No, he couldn't do it. He's a softie. Um, So, where do they go from here? Is this when they get the message to, like, find where Nick is?
1: Yeah, so Brie does a... Yeah, so Bree has an emotional conversation with Selwyn where they definitely don't almost kiss. Um and he he does pretty much directly confess that he loves her and she's just like, "I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to go call my boyfriend." Uh
0: and she does. And- yeah, let me go into the avatar state and commune with the previous and see like them she saw she caught a vision of all of the knights and merlin and everything just like building the spell that was going to like do their blood anchoring
1: yeah so infusing a bunch of ether into the stone that excalibur was inside of Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then breaking it open and having arthur pull out the sword and knight everyone again um with ether flowing into them as a result um and everyone was real hopped up on that ether because it was just, like, some crazy straight uncut shit. Um, they
0: were so horny with it. So high. I like the idea, actually. I think this could have been, like, a a super cool uh, switcheroony that, like, um, the idea of Excalibur and the Sword in the Stone... I don't think this is where they went, but this is a hypothetical. If, like, you're doing this, and it's like, yeah, when you pull... When you're the sign of Arthur and you pull the sword out of the stone, it unleashes the true magic of King Arthur and stuff. Mm -hmm. But guess what? The magic was never in the sword. It was in the stone the whole time. And the sword kept it plugged up. Uh, When you get the sword Excalibur out, it's kind of a uh, red herring. Like, it doesn't matter. That's just a normal sword. The magic was in the fucking stone. And you find that out, and then you have to go back to it and suck all of the magic out of the stone to, like, get your fucking kamehameha.
1: So what I find interesting about this is it almost created this because it didn't seem like the sword was stuck in the stone it seemed like it was inside it completely almost like a mold like mm. merlin sent all of this magic into it that coalesced inside of the mold inside this stone to form the permanent construct of excalibur but maybe i'm reading too much into it <laughs>
2: no
0: maybe maybe this was like their secret their secret uh, arthurian alchemists invented concrete <laughs> but
2: but concrete already exists. I mean, yes, yes, definitely. Um,
1: <laughs> but then also, Brie and Nick fuck. Like, no bones about it. It's, is is that what they were? Go- I I. It. I mean. It sure seems. It certainly seemed like they were at least about to. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Sorry.
1: What? Like there was there was some hand waving around her being pulled down on top of him and her and and seeing the stars above them and then and then when she comes out of it after nick is like oh god we're in the cabin hurry um when she comes out of it someone being like i smell nick you smell like nick what were you doing she's like i don't i don't know exactly how the magic works
0: and then she was like, Hey Nick's in the cabin and he was like, The cabin. How did I not think of the cabin this whole time? You know, that cabin. Oh, there was something Of course they would be there. Right. There
2: was something I forgot, um that I wanted to mention earlier. Sorry to sidetrack this. But um There's, there's the... no such thing in this podcast. You're right. Um, but when they get to um when they get to Lucille's house and they it is Lucille, yeah. It's Hazel's house. It's Hazel, I'm sorry, names, people. They get to Ms. Hazel's house, and, like, she's called a conductor, and, like, Bree catches on that they're following parts of the old Underground Railroad, and that's how yeah. craft has been kept alive.
1: And and Valak straight up, tell, uh, straight up tells her, like, well, I mean, it's not exactly the railroad, and, you know, no one really knew every single part of it, and all of that, and, I'm like, oh, yeah, he was there. <laughs> right. Yeah, he probably he, knows. He was, wasn't he? <laughs> He has been doing this longer than Lucille has. Yep. And But yeah, so they, they go to this they go to this cabin, just Bree and Sel go to this cabin because anyone else would slow them down. Um,
0: <clears throat> no, anyone else that was there with them wouldn't have the immense emotional conflict of the fight scene that takes place now. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: And so. you know, why would they bring their healer to an instance where they know that Nick is in mortal peril? Right. The super strong healer. You just leave yeah. your fucking white mage behind. Um, Sorry. But, okay. but no, they, they go there and someone's like, Hey, no, yeah. Uh, it's no wonder that they wouldn't have thought of this because this cabin is owned by Nick's mom uh, or Nick's mom's family. And it was left to him by them. And of course they wouldn't think to look there because Nick's mom's family has been loyal scions or not loyal scions, loyal vassals for generations They're an extremely prominent vassal family, so much so that they disowned Nick's mom when she got mesmered, which is just an extra layer of tragedy to Nick's mom. Like, not only did she get mesmered for, you know, trying to save her son from abuse, but then she loses her entire family, too, so that they don't lose standing with the Order.
0: Yeah. Which sucks, which is why I don't feel bad that this cabin fucking explodes. Mm-hmm. Brie and Cell show up to it, and then there's, like, tons of Merlin cars just, like, they're doing their spec ops, like, rolling in to the to get in on them. And Brie and Cell stay hidden. The cabin fucking explodes. Uh, Isaac and... What was his name? Lord Davis. That was his title. I kept wanting yeah. to say Colonel. <laughs> yeah. Colonel Davis then comes out, like looking haggard, looking fucked up and be like, Oh, it's time to finally have this reckoning. Yeah, Mark's there Davis. too. Yeah. And yeah. we get eyes on Nick. The shit it's explodes happening.
1: and it it kills two Merlins and injures another four. Uh and Erebus is there. And Erebus and mm. Isaac have a have a little wizard's duel. And while they're having that wizards duel, Nick decides to make a break for it, and Erebus tells our our good buddy I can't remember Max. his name. Max, that's it. Our good buddy Max to just fucking throw an ether spear at Nick and try and kill him, which does not work because Lord Davis jumps in the way of it and dies himself and then Nick murders Max. He just chops his head right off.
0: He's got blood rage even though mm-hmm. everyone knows his dad was not only on a personal level an asshole but on like an ideological like geopolitical level has only been making the entire world worse. Uh, it's your dad. And he was just like, now I'm blood crazy. I got to slice your head off. And that's about when he sees Brian cell there sort of waiting in the wings about to rescue him and spirit him off. And then he gets that feeling of like, oh no, I'm a murderer now. I can't see you too. I have to leave. I
1: didn't read it that way. Um, It's entirely possible that that's what happened. But i kind of felt like it was more along the lines of like nick saw them i was like well i'm not going to make it out of here with them so i'm just gonna run this way so that they can go that way
0: Hmm. save yourself like i won't let you take me with you because that'll put you in greater danger
1: yeah potentially Eh. i don't know i mean it's definitely possible that it was a guilt thing i don't know we've we've seen nick brutal in this way before um which was actually part of Bree's previous conversation with Cell is like, yeah, no, I've been, I've been failing this whole time. I've been like starting to fall in my blood for a long while now. That's part of why I kind of abused my connection with Nick and he abused it back. And like, we're real shitty to each other. We were real shitty to each other in the last book in ways you can't possibly understand. Because I made Nick want to murder his girlfriend because I wanted to murder you.
0: Yeah. As like a power play. Mm-hmm they're really they have a really unhealthy relationship between the two of them and at the same time like uh nick's been brutal before but like he's never been take a human life on his own like this yeah so i think this really was a rubicon for him to cross
1: yeah absolutely and you know what honestly i said it i think in our part two video but i said it i'm surprised that tor wasn't here i'm surprised that tor wasn't here part of the hunting party for nick because I expected her to be tasked with killing Nick, retrieve or murder. Because they did mention that, like, oh yeah, no, she's she's getting brought into this search thing whenever they were uh, with the scion or with the what are the fucking human people at the head of this thing called the Regents? The Regents. Yeah, I guess. Uh, the Regents mentioned, like, yeah, no, uh, all of the other people they're going to be, you know. Off being busy fighting Shadowborn, she's gonna she's gonna join us in the search for Nick. And I felt like there was a you know subtext of because we believe that we can trust her to kill Nick should it, should the need arise. Like I was waiting for a confrontation between Bree and Tor uh, that still hasn't come, but st- you know it might in the fourth part. Uh, but yeah, so Nick Nick fucks off and Erebus. ...most likely kills... Uh, ...Isaac... ...I don't know that we actually know that he kills him... ...he at least incapacitates him... Yeah. Uh, ...and Bree and Selwyn... ...hightail it out of there... ...to a ...and fucking they're sad ropes and they're course. crying and they found
0: themselves... <laughs> ...yeah they find themselves on a platform in a ropes course... ...just like some sort of... ...conveniently contrived platform... ...to be standing safely up on like... ...in the trees in the woods here... ...as Erebus rolls in and he's like... ...hey guys... Please come quietly. I don't want to fucking have to fight you and maybe kill Selwyn to get Bree.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, it really, it really bothered me as a person who worked at a place with a ropes course for four years. It really bothered me just that small little throwaway line about how, like, oh yeah, there's rotting wood. There's a rotting wooden banister around this platform. Like, no, there fucking wouldn't be. Are you kidding me? Those things are inspected multiple times a day. There's no way there'd be rotting wood as any sort of structural part of
0: this. Ah, this must be a long-since-abandoned rope course for the summer camp. A lot of different fights have been happening out, like, in the woods amongst trees <laughs> from the very beginning of this series. Yeah. And. Demons don't.
1: Oh, boy. all right. Um, Damn, de-
0: that sounds like it yeah. hurt.
1: Oh, that's that's nothing. That didn't even make the front of my head hurt. That's what most of my coughs have, uh, have done. Over the last Oof. like two weeks, like I've been coughing so hard that the entire front of my head hurts. Ouch! I'm I didn't sorry. know that was a thing that could happen.
0: Man, um, nah. I think he's doing. I think he's doing the uh, bottles on the fingers. Like, oh, King's Mage, come out and play. He's super fucking is, and
1: Bree is just like, I don't even know if this is gonna work, but I'm gonna send my ether out and I'm gonna slice the cuffs off, and it does work. And uh, it
0: does in a more like exploding sort of way that then charges the both of them up with breeze ether super hard. They have this powerful ether connection and they just do a fucking big explosion.
1: Yeah, they it's have really uh cool. they have ether codependence essentially. Uh at one point she describes it as like she out. instead of letting him continue to pull from her, she pushes into him. It's like it's still it's still magic flowing out of you and into him he is still taking in this relationship girl mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, uh,
0: he's also like he's getting overloaded with it he's like wah, wah, wah.
1: <laughs> yeah he creates a big old explosion that sends isaac or not isaac uh, erebus flying and apparently burns him down to the goddamn muscle and vicious and and they take off running and they meet up they meet up with valak he's just there because he, he the felt their explosion from, like, what, like, 50 miles away? Mm-hmm. He yeah. felt their No, but he's
0: escape. just like, no, I didn't I didn't feel your explosion. Everybody felt your explosion. So the entire fucking, every single demon in, like, the southeastern quadrant of the United States is coming here to slurp up whatever the fuck kind of power you're putting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so
1: he and Selwyn fight to defend Bree for a while, which Valak, Valak has gold root. We've seen a couple of different ether signatures. This is the first gold one we've seen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of them have been yeah. silver and blue, but like there is Bree's red one. But like this is cool. Like, We're I'm getting sorry, different can... colors. Are we getting into like lightsaber color theory about, oh, this thing means that this person was like this?
0: okay at this point in this book i have long since stopped being able to keep track of whose eyes are what color and whose aether <laughs> is what color and what their shit smells like i just it doesn't matter to me anymore too i know much it's it. like distinctly like personalized and everything but i just can't keep track of it sometimes like people get certain colored eyes when they do things but the pupils are one thing and the sleras are other things i'm just like it doesn't matter to me anymore i can't keep track
1: yeah it's 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 a lot of colors. Yep. I'm sure the VFX seems like, uh for the eventual show will have a field day. Oh yeah.
0: This almost feels like that it is a collaborative, uh, like fanfic sort of thing where all of your friends like want to have their own OCs that have this like unique color and smell to them. Yep. To stand out. One of them gets <laughs> Alexandria's Genesis, and yeah, yeah. Look,
1: I'm exactly. I'm <laughs> telling you, we're gonna get into lightsaber color theory God. for the different colors of magic. We're gonna get there.
0: I'm not not on this <laughs> fucking podcast. Let's keep the plot moving. But
2: yes, I. You definitely get the feel that there's a there's a character profile sheet somewhere where everyone has what their ether color is and what it smells like.
1: <laughs> a thing. fucking Hertzsprung Russell diagram of the different characters in this show. Yes.
2: But there but it, is fighting because there are a shit ton of of demons showing up. Hell foxes yeah, galore. Hell, hell everything,
1: yeah. And and Bree gets hit. She what? gets hit, but Ugh. also like summoned a bit of her armor. She didn't. Arthur did reflexively to defend her. Which is some cool shit. Um mm-hmm. at least, you know, she's less likely to die now. Except not because the armor failed and she got hit anyway and then they couldn't treat her and tell what the wound was because the armor was covering it um would have been great if someone who knows healing had come along would have been real yeah would have been real fucking great
0: no but then when we have this whole scene where she like fades out of consciousness and then wakes up and william's there and he's like let me tell you about the trauma center level magic surgery that happened to you
2: Let's begin.
1: Yeah, apparently, Selwyn basically created new blood vessels for her with ether uh, and almost died in the process.
0: He did all these tiny little ether constructs, not just like a big sword, but like a whole bunch of little sutures and butterfly bandages and extra little capillary accoutrements that kept you alive. Mm-hmm.
1: It's very cool. And it. And she feels guilty about it because she's just like, oh, yeah, sorry, William, I shouldn't have gone off on my own. Cause or, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have gone off and been so reckless because, you know, the lines depend on me. It's like, you think I give a shit about the lines? You're my friend, you dumbass.
0: I care about you not getting murked.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine.
0: And I did like the extent to which uh, William described all of the organ failure that she had been experiencing. <laughs> Just the most, like, anatomical breakdown of, like, your liver was cut like this, and your stomach was from here to here. The good news is they didn't puncture your colon, so you didn't have sepsis. Otherwise, you totally would have died. And, you know, they explained the Crossroads mythology, but, like, they they didn't explain sepsis to their presumably teenage audience. Which, like, (laughs) if that's what you're Googling, I was like, what's sepsis mean? And you're like,
2: ugh.
1: Yep. Fuck. Yeah, what would it mean if a chest wound went septic? Like, uh no no no
0: look anyway brie get healed and stuff and go have another big talk with selwyn
1: yeah (laughs) they do just straight up say like he's gone he's doing a patrol don't go yet we know you're gonna breakfast drink some orange juice
0: (laughs) alice is there still surprisingly supportive about like brie i really don't want to get worried about if you die and stuff but like she doesn't really act like a scold on Brie at that point about how could you be doing reckless things and making us all terrified that you've died you're my friend the energy is there but she's not like drilling it home that much which is nice
1: yeah she's just like yeah. the fact that you can do magic is really cool stop fucking dying
0: stop fucking being so close to dying you are so lucky that most of the people here have magic healing abilities inherently aside from the actual white mage that's over there as well
1: yeah um but she has yet another emotional talk with selwyn another
0: one and all right and i leave this conversation in your two's hands because i need to keep catching up on the reading
1: honestly most oh before she has this conversation though she has a talk with valak mm -hmm. who who gives her some fucking he gives her some fucking ether hooch and her eyes turn red because that's a thing i guess her eyes turn into gorokul eyes when she consumes ether ether hooch and, yep. and i'm i'm sorry how are we not more concerned about this in universe how is she just like huh that's weird like mm-hmm. you the you your eyes go demon mode when you consume ether don't don't you want to know why that happens we're going to find out that she's got demon in her too aren't we She's just the confluence of literally everything. Yeah, she's she's every magic. She's the avatar. Yeah. And you know what? That'll make Selwyn retroactively right. She was a demon. (laughs) 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 Uh, Oh man.
2: Um, but,
1: but yeah, he's just like look. This dude is clearly in love with you. And she's like, nope, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're saying. I can't hear you. I'm going to go off and talk to him. And when he tells me that he's in love with me, I'm also not going to hear him. Uh, because they have a conversation that is absolutely like him telling her that he is in love with her. And they have this moment, too, where it's like, I don't think at this point Nick would begrudge us this. It's like, "Oh, what this does he mean? How we okay. feel this conversation?" Yep. And and they and they backtrack. They backtrack again back to, "Oh, well, you know, this this new bond that we have where I'm basically your king's mage." It's like, "But it,
2: what do you think he means, Bree?" <laughs>
1: yeah. It <sighs> like he comes so cl- so close to saying it. Do you think it do, do you think it has to be so that we as the audience like yeah. Okay. So Brie feels guilty about like being really into Selwyn in those moments where they get close to doing something, but like there's a line that we're we're not supposed to cross there of like her actually cheating on Nick with mm-hmm. Selwyn, and like she Tracy Dion doesn't want to cross that so that the audience doesn't you know doesn't hate, hate Brie. Brie for cheating yeah. on Nick. Yeah, I think that's part of it.
2: Yeah. Otherwise, we definitely like we won't get any any resolution in that department unless nick and brie break up
1: yeah right which you know given the fact that she and selwyn were both like what the fuck we worked so hard to get to him and find him and he called us to him and then he just bounced then he just leaves like inconsiderate that there may be a breakup of bruin um Mm -hmm. but
0: (sighs) yeah of all of the various reasons that uh, Bree has been mad at Selwyn throughout the course of this, like, she's way, she ought to be way more mad at Nick right now. Like, because, like, no matter what he's going through, which is maybe like, I've taken a human life, I'm a monster, it's just like, motherfucker, you know how much shit we've been through to save your ass? Do not go running out again on your own as a fugitive. You were only surviving as a fugitive because you were the fucking hostage of your dad and Isaac.
1: Yeah. And you've just—you're going
0: to die.
1: And it's just been demonstrably shown that the regents want him dead, because Erebus had Max throw a spear at him
0: to kill. Yep. When they said, when these, when the kids had like determined to like, oh my god, they don't want to save Nick, they want to kill him. I was thinking as the reader, I thought, I don't know if that's true necessarily. That might just be the conclusion that our protagonists came to. But after that spear throw. I've got to think that, like, okay, they were right about that. That wasn't, like, a misdirect.
1: Yeah, my only thought process on it still maybe being a misdirect is Erebus thinking, okay, well, his dad's definitely gonna jump in there, and then because he and Isaac are bonded, then Isaac's not gonna be at the top of his game, and I can kill Isaac real easily.
0: Yeah, it's 5D chess. They might be able to pull that out later, but if they do, I'm gonna be like, eh, a little contrived. Yeah. yeah. But, what are you gonna do? Um. Yeah, if it could be that, like, yeah. If it... If they could they could make that case that like... Well, I knew he was going to jump in front of the spear. Which is why I threw the spear extra slow... To give him enough time to jump in front of it. Um, well, Max
2: is too dead may- to really tell maybe. us. But yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So where do we end on so with this section? They
2: decide... Well first they, they have a chat with Valak after after their chat with Selwyn, we have a chat with Valak. Um mm-hmm.
1: Where Valak's like, I can I can do some magical dousing and like I'm very good at magical appraisal. I know how to tell when, you know, how much power someone has and how much impact something has. Um so I can I can sort of plumb the depth, but it's not gonna be fun. Um and he does. He does plumb the depths with Bree, and finds out that yeah, no, she has a she has a a pact. There is not just the you know blood crafting pact and the legend born pact. There's a there's a pact with a demon in there too. Mm-hmm. Most likely the hunter. Going all the way back to Vera. Yep.
0: Oh, we didn't even talk about the hunter.
1: Yeah, so the hunter is the person that we saw in, like, a vision in part two. And everyone fucking hates this guy. Everyone hates him. Uh, And part of the condition for Bree receiving this shelter is that one day she agrees to go and take on and take down the hunter because she's, like, the only person with enough power to do so.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So that's fun that she's now also bound to the hunter in some way shape or form with a debt that can be called at any point
0: he might come demanding that she go hunt and what what sort of like small world connection twist are we going to find out about the hunter what is it Patricia is secretly the hunter
2: (laughs) oh that would be be... I wouldn't be happy with that
0: (laughs) no that would be like okay what the fuck (laughs) first off everyone knows everybody but also like you can't you have to have some minor characters that just don't get Chekhov gunned into things. Mm-hmm. I
1: feel like if we're going to have a con- an additional character connection to the hunter, it's going to be a connection between Cell's mom
0: and the hunter. Yeah. Okay. Like Well, the hunter is like an ether fiend that's like sucking out all the ether yeah. of his prey. It could make sense that like the it is Cell's mom that has become the ether hunter because she hates these demons and warlocks and also like needs that amount of aether to keep from going crazy? Well, the hunter has been active for at least a century. Oh, okay. Well, that's different.
1: Mm. <laughs> uh, actually, no, sorry. The hunter's been active for over two centuries because of the thing with Vera. Yep. Um, Probably. But I could see Cell's mom like bound in service to the hunter in some way, shape, or form as like a way
0: of maintaining her ability to
1: survive without oaths.
0: Alternatively, what if the Hunter is a collective myth propagated by the legend born specifically like the Merlins, of like the high-level Merlins, just because what the Merlins need to keep doing their shit is actually like just being straight predators to other Aether users that like, they the Hunter is a mythology that came about the random disappearances of people that were like, taken by some mage guard like spec ops to like just be totally drained dry of ether mm,
1: for their own purposes.
0: Huh.
2: Then yeah there's who... a connection
1: between the hunter and the morganes. Yeah. We
2: really haven't heard a whole lot about the Morganes and I want to know more. Yeah,
1: there was a there was a there was an act that was coming up in the fucking roadhouse that were, like the sisters Morgase, I think. I was like, wait, hold
0: on, hold on. Are mm-hmm. we are we getting
1: some more gains here? Are we are we gonna do that? And n- n- no, nope.
0: I'm sure they weren't, but maybe their like performance would give some information about them, you know?
1: Yeah, but no. Yeah, show how know. they channel mm. ether in some way. But nope, no, that that didn't shake out. Um, maybe in the next section. Maybe in the next section, probably not.
0: But um. There's two more smaller sections. There's actually a four and five, right? Uh, oh, you know what? There
1: is, like, a little epilogue, I think. Um. Yep. But, no, it's so weird, too, because... Yeah, because then Bree, it's like, okay, oh, you've got this connection to the hunter and everything. And then they just kind of like, uh, well, you know. Hey, at least cross when
0: he comes... when I come to it. When he
1: comes to collect, maybe that's when you can kill him. All right, there we go. Um... But
0: no I get that just thinking like look I've got enough going on right now if that becomes a problem I'll deal with it but like there's already too much to juggle right now
1: maybe the thing that uh, the hunter is coming to collect on is like a confluence of magic like agreed to protect Vera's lineage until such a time as he could consume enough power from them to free these arch devils that have been locked up for a long time and like that's why he left one of Bree's ancestors alone. Like, he sensed her root and came looking for her, and then when he found her, didn't sense enough power in there. So just, hmm. like, needed to let a few more generations pass or something. I don't know.
2: I don't know. We. That's... I'm sure we'll find out, just not sure when.
1: Yeah, yeah, we will find out. You,
0: we'll find out on the next episode hold, of hold on. on Air Book Fair there's, Podcast. there's more. There's more that oh, happens yeah, more. at yeah, the end more. of the book, Jay. Uh, they Sorry. do make it okay. to um,
1: Volition, Volition, which is a uh, a former plantation that a bunch of root crafters got together and bought from the state so that they had control over it and it wouldn't be turned into like a tourist site where white people can go and take pictures where a bunch of black people got murdered and tortured. Like,
0: uh, and, Those old plantation houses are always like wedding venues and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's so fucking ghoulish and creepy. Um And hey, they talked about how ghoulish and creepy and gross it is. Hooray! Yes, they do. Uh because it is. Um but but the uh this this whole place, because so many of their ancestors are just dead and stuck there, it's kind of this fucking Xavier mansion where rootcrafters can go to just be safe and learn and study, because they've got the biggest fucking ward active all the time operated by these ancestors Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and Bree like sits down for a moment and communes with them and they ask they ask her like hey are your guests cool can we let them in is this like do you vouch for them and you know realistically it'll be interesting to see like if say Selwyn breaks that trust in some way if he just gets like expelled from the wards
2: yeah and there's, there's just a line in there when they approach, and like everyone's looking at the the ether shield that goes up from these ancestors, and Alice is standing there, not able to see anything. She's like, can someone just oath me already? I, I'm
1: tired of this. Yeah, and Bree looks around at her and thinks to herself, like, oh god, it's clear that she's not joking about this. Like, mm-hmm. she she's made up her mind to get oathed just so that she can see what's happening. And that's... That's some fucking middle school level logic. Like, I'm going to swear myself to this organization that I know is clearly evil just so that I can see what happens. Meanwhile, we actually know of another way that Alice could see what's happening and that she could see ether. She just needs to consume a little bit of ether. Yep. Because as we find hmm. out from from our good buddy Velik or Valik, if humans consume ether, they get the sight for a little bit. They can see ether like Brie can, and like anyone who's taken that first oath of service can. Just give her a few ether shots, she'll be good. Yeah. Bring back that fucking busty waitress that she was flirting with to give her an ether shot, and there we go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that wasn't weird at all, given the fact that we know that she's 16, and this waitress is presumably older than that. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. But then so is everything with cell and we're just kind of supposed to ignore that yeah but
2: we Re- cross the we-
0: the target audience of this book is still supposed to be teenagers yeah, okay. who are oh, not really worrying about it's that true. angle
1: oh god yeah at one point in the conversation with cell he talks about how he can still taste her it's like ooh, like even even brie is like oh but ooh, yeah no don't tell That's me i'm just like don't Y'all, tell me this that. is
0: getting it's getting too horny
2: so they cross the threshold and the next the next section is called volition
1: yeah we'll we'll pick up next time in the fucking x mansion Mm
0: -hmm. on the next episode of on air book fair podcast i'm jay i've been here with miles and daniel uh next time we're going to finish up the book Bloodmarked by tracy dion and let's see miles and i we have some other projects that are available on mimicsmarket.com where we are making other podcasts, and my partner and I are cooking up a little bit of pop culture jewelry. Miles streams on twitch.tv slash AvatarKiora, that's A-V-A-T-A-R-K-I-O-R-A, where he's doing unboxings and still going on Golden Sun. Uh, not unboxings, and, uh,
1: like TCG card oh, openings. Un- yeah. yeah.
0: Un- un- yeah. Unpackagings yeah, for not, TCG cards. That's and, not going to uh,
1: happen until like the end of uh, January. January because that's when the Holiday next stuff comes out. All. all right. Including a cool new and Pokemon Dan set has that's going to be a bunch of art cards and shit. Fun. Sorry, I keep
0: interrupting you. No, you're fine. It's really important that we know about which Pokemon cards are coming out in this next month. And Dan is published in Archive of the Odd. Links all in the description of the podcast. And we'll see y'all next time. Good night. The yeah, we did it.